Hello everyone, welcome once again to A Reason for Hope. We're sure glad that you're joining us today once again. It is Monday here in Tucson, Arizona, where we're broadcasting from. And we are glad that you're joining us for another Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope, in case it's your first time, is all about your questions on the Bible. You can send in your questions through multiple online platforms. I'll be going over those in just a moment. Um, for the most part, the show is guided by those questions. So it could be a question on a certain verse or passage of Scripture or even the Bible as a whole. Um, something that's maybe confused you, how it relates to, to the world and things going on. Maybe something going on in your own life. You'd like a biblical perspective. What does God say in his word about certain lifestyles or choices that we make or things that we've been through, suffering or um, miracles or whatever it might be on your heart, just questions that you have. You're welcome to send those in and we will be tackling those today. And once again, we want to give you as accurately as we possibly can what the Bible says about these things. So as long as it's an honest question, as long as it's a sincere question, and once again, as long as you know the, the questions uh, are going to be answered from the Bible, that's what we're all about here. So we're very glad and uh, grateful for you, the viewer. Um, we never know where the show's going to go, really, because, again, it's guided by your questions. My name's Dave Robson. I'll be on all those platforms with you, just watching and waiting for your questions to come in. And with us today, Pastor Scott Richards, who's a senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship, where we're broadcasting from. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's uh, certainly, uh, gosh, a, a heart heavy day yes uh in light of what's going on in the middle east and we'll go into quite a bit of detail about what's happening and what the Great. prophetic implications of this are yeah some really stunning absolutely stunning things you know we've been doing this uh broadcast since 9-11 uh, right. and uh what happened in israel over the weekend uh, was referred to as israel's 9-11 right uh, kind of fascinating that um in the uh, the promo that we do on our twitter feed mm. Uh, we quoted a uh, commentator from the Jerusalem Post who made uh, the statement that uh, the negotiations between Israel and Saudi Arabia could set the stage for seismic changes right. in the Middle East. And uh, you know, we kind of riffed off of that and said, are we on the edge of seismic changes in the Middle East? That's what we posted on Friday. Mm. By Saturday morning, uh, this, this whole thing happened. Yeah. So. Um, prophetic, I'm not sure. Ironic, to be sure. Yes. Uh, but uh, one of the things that we try to do on this program is to keep you all informed out there about uh, what's happening uh, in uh, in Israel, as we often say, uh, as far as uh, God's uh, prophetic picture uh, and the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Israel's where you got to stay focused. Uh, Don Stewart, our good friend, would always say that when it comes to uh, biblical prophecy, uh, Israel is the hour hand, Jerusalem is the minute hand, and the Temple Mount is the, the second hand. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of uh, what has happened here uh, really does have quite a bit to do uh, with uh, what's going on in the Temple Mount. We'll touch on that uh, as uh, the broadcast uh, progresses. So right. if uh, you've been trying to make heads or tails out of what's going on in the Middle East, uh, well, we'll try to provide a decidedly biblical and prophetic lens to take a look on that, as well as get you uh, updated on uh, the latest uh, developments and uh, points of prayer uh, that you can be a part of, and some of the, the real significant uh, spiritual issues that mm. I think this conflict is bringing to the surface, mm. things that we've really got to be um, really having a, a solid foundation on in terms of our understanding 
of God's word uh, to be able to navigate in these times. So very, yeah. very heavy uh, day for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so uh, mind blowing that uh, when you see these things through the lens of scripture, it's just like, wow. Um, you know, there were times I, I remember the uh, the Operation Desert Storm invasion and people wondered about Babylon being involved. And mm-hmm. is this Armageddon and people sold a lot of books on on all this. Right. Um, as far as definite and decided biblical prophecy is concerned, this makes everything that happened in Desert Storm look like a walk in the park. Wow. I mean, just no comparison whatsoever. Yeah. So the ancient Chinese curse may live in interesting times. If that's true, we may be among the cur- most cursed there. people the world <laughs> has ever seen. Yes. But we have hope. Yeah. We have hope that uh, when you see these things begin to take place, Jesus said, uh, look up for your salvation draws. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to try to maintain that perspective as well as fill you in on uh, the, uh, the things that you really need to know about. Uh, regarding what's going on there so you can pray and seek the lord and and uh, be a part of the uh, solution not part of the problem in these right, days absolutely yeah because yeah, we don't we don't know we don't know the day but the bible talks about knowing the nearness the nearness of him coming and i think we're seeing more and more of that yeah. nearness yeah. <laughs> at yeah. the very least yeah. yeah so well great well we'll we'll get right into that in just a moment let me briefly just uh, go over um our uh, ministry here in case it is your first time let me get you just a bit more familiar with uh, who we are and where you can find us uh, just briefly and we'll get back to pastor scott here to to fill us in a bit more what's going on and everything he just uh introed us with there but uh, as i mentioned her uh, reason for hope uh, it's a, a broadcast we're with you monday through friday lord willing who knows <laughs> who knows by the day but for right now we are with you <laughs> as um, far as we can tell that's right as far as we can tell um we are going to be faithful to this and um see how how the world goes uh, but uh yes monday through friday 5 to 6 p.m we are live uh with you here in tucson arizona mountain standard uh time it's a, it's an outreach of calvary christian fellowship here in tucson that's where we're broadcasting from and you're welcome to come and check us out as well if you're in the tucson area looking for somewhere to worship the lord and get in the word and all that good stuff you're more than welcome to come to our services we're right near prince and i10 on the west side of the freeway and uh, we have sunday services and a wednesday evening service we're currently going through the book of acts on sunday and the book of ezekiel on wednesday night we're a calvary chapel church and you'll find for the most part if not 100 percent of them go through the word just verse by verse um, chapter by chapter book by book and that's the style of teaching we have here as well so if that's something you would like to check out you're more than welcome to do that but if you go to our website calvarychristianfellowship.com and uh, go to that watch live tab you, that will take you to our live page and we're streaming there as we speak you'll see the video you can sign in with the username and uh, there's a chat function where you can send in your question, which we'll uh, get to as the time allows a bit later on our show today. Uh, when we're offline, you'll see a countdown to our next show and you'll see a schedule of upcoming events as well. So you can see what we have coming up and join us through there as well. Um, once again, follow the link, calvarychristianfellowship.com or uh, ccftucson.online.church. You can type that right into your browser, ccftucson.online.church. It will take you straight to that live page. We're on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash CCF Tucson, or just look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. We'll take you there. That's another way you can send your question. I'll be checking that as well as we go along. And uh, don't forget to like and share. We'd appreciate that if you've been blessed by this ministry. We have an app for your mobile device. Once again, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. You can download us and watch us on your mobile device. And uh, we have a channel on Roku 
and also on Apple TV. So if you have those devices, a Roku uh, box um, or stick or you know a smart TV with those capabilities, you can add us in your channel store. On YouTube, A Reason for Hope is the name of the channel there on YouTube. Once again, we'd love it if you would like and subscribe and uh, click the notification bell if you'd like a little prompt when we are live. And so if you go to that live page, the live tab there on YouTube, anytime we've been live, it archives there. So if you missed anything or you want to recap, um, maybe even the update today that Pastor Scott gives, you want to listen to that again or share it around, that's all right there for you on YouTube as well. So a reason for hope on YouTube. And of course, we're live there as well. And you can send your question in through the uh, comments, uh, the, the chat function there as well. Uh, Pastor Scott here is on Twitter, Scott Arthur H, where he posts all kinds of stuff. I'm sure right now it's a lot of uh, keeping up to date with what's going on in the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he has blisters on his fingers. Uh, Busy posts, day on uh, the old uh, interwebs. The, yes. the old Twitter web, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you're on Twitter and like to follow along with Scott, you sure can. Scott R4H, uh, great place to keep informed. Scott is my, uh, my favorite uh, newscaster here. Pretty much my only one I listen to. <laughs> I get overwhelmed with all the The only one you need to listen to. No, I won't <laughs> say that. Yeah. That's right. Good sales pitch for you there. Yeah. yeah. Um, a Reason for Hope Bible Q&A on Rumble. If you're on the Rumble platform, that's a relatively newer platform. We're not live there, but we post videos there as well. So A Reason for Hope Bible Q&A if you're on the Rumble platform. And then questionsforhope at gmail.com. You're welcome to use our email address. Questionsforhope spelled out at gmail.com. We'll receive your questions there as well. Once again, really any of the chat functions or our email address, you can send a question in. If you're listening to us on the radio, we're glad you're joining us. Do drive safely if you're on your drive time. Keep in mind that you're listening to the last show that we did pre-recorded, so we're not live with you per se. But questionsforhope at gmail.com is our email address. You can send your question there, and we'll endeavor to get to that on our next show. So wherever you're joining us, however you found us, uh, we're glad you're there. Once again, send your questions in. We'll get to those a bit later in the broadcast today. Could be any question about the Bible that's on your heart, something you're going through, some a verse of scripture, you know, how things relate to biblical prophecy, anything along those lines, we would love to tackle that. And of course, there may be questions that come from Scott's intro today and the catch up, things going on in the world. Anything on your heart, we're here for you and we're glad that you're there. Yeah. Whew. Well, would you like to pray for us before we absolutely? Go <laughs> <laughs> I would not want to take another step. I don't without think it. it's a bad idea. <laughs> no, no, definitely, Father. <laughs> I thank you that uh, as we take a look at this world seemingly spinning out of control, what an amazing anchor we have in your divinely inspired word—the words of Jesus that told us that wars and rumors of wars, things along these lines, would be something that we should expect, and that we would see them happen like labor pains, uh, that they would uh, build up to a fever pitch and then seemingly calm down. Well, Lord, uh, of all the labor pains I think uh, I've been around to see, this one is probably one of the most significant, maybe the most significant since the 1973 war. Uh, but Lord, uh, we thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and that by taking a look not only at what is going on with our eyes wide open, but also being able to uh, take a look at these things and analyze them through the lens of your word. Lord, we can have security, we can have stability, we can have strength, we can have practical wisdom, we can uh, prevent ourselves from uh, making the same mistakes that so many have made down through time uh, as far as understanding your plan for the Jewish people and where we fit into all of this and how it's all going to weave together for your glory. Lord, uh, I've said this before, 
but it's very possible that we might not even finish this broadcast before you could come back for us at the event called the rapture and lord we want to pray for every person within the sound of our voices here today dave and i just agreeing together that if there's any that are tuning in out of curiosity any that are tuning in because uh, they want to just find out what these christians believe that you would speak deeply to their hearts your amazing promise that whosoever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting life i pray that many people across the world would listen to this broadcast and that many people would make that decision to put their faith and their trust in you before it's too late thank you lord for giving us another day to get your word out and to reach out with that message of forgiveness of sin eternal life and a living relationship with you all for the asking all for simply putting our faith and trust in jesus death his resurrection Mm. and the truth of his word so lord uh, please may your word go forth in clarity in conviction in the power of your holy spirit and we pray that we be edified exhorted and comforted as a result in jesus name Mm. amen 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 well let us have it well, <laughs> you know, it just reminds me of the uh, opening lines of that uh, corny song, Love Story, Where Do I Begin? Yes. <laughs> well, uh, probably the best place to begin uh, as far as uh, giving ourselves some kind of a structure to be able to analyze all these things that are going on right now uh, is a, a message that was delivered by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Just to let you know, if you've been under a rock or in a root cellar, uh, Israel uh, was viciously attacked Uh, by the Hamas terrorist group that uh, essentially controls the Gaza Strip. But not only the Gaza Strip, one of the reasons that uh, Mahmoud Abbas, who is the head of the Palestinian Authority and the so-called Palestinian uh, territories, uh, has overstayed his uh, place in office by well over 12 years now. His Mm -hmm. term had run out. But uh, they don't have elections. This is because every poll indicates the vast majority of Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza would support Hamas as the government over uh, all of those territories. Well, what's Hamas all about? Uh, why did they so viciously attack uh, Israel? Uh, for instance, uh, they, uh, the attack began when Hamas breached a series of border walls that uh, isolated uh, the territory known as the Gaza Strip. For those of you not familiar with all of this, Gaza uh, was originally an Egyptian territory. But in the, uh, the 1973 war, Israel took uh, uh, over that particular territory and basically redeemed it, uh, brought in infrastructure, uh, made it really into an agricultural paradise. There were a number of uh, kibbutzes that were set up in the area of the Gaza Strip. And uh, there were obviously uh, a lot of uh, dust-ups between uh, those who were Palestinians who didn't want the Jews there and uh, the Jewish settlers there. Finally, uh, Israel, as uh, part of uh, the Oslo Accords, uh, said, we're going to give the Gaza Strip over to you with the idea that Egypt would be the nation that would sort of oversee things, keep uh, a lid on things. But it was a uh, bonafide gesture of saying to the Palestinians, we want you to self-govern. We don't want to be running your affairs. We want you to be independent. And so uh, not only giving control of the Gaza Strip over to uh, the uh, Palestinians, they also gave them these uh, high-tech, fully functioning uh, agricultural facilities. They literally, the Israeli government literally 
sent the military in to drag these settlers out, kicking and screaming, who had invested decades of their lives and their personal fortunes and so forth to build these agricultural sites. Well, once they were gone, uh, the Palestinians showed their gratitude by coming out and tearing down all of the infrastructure that the Jews had built. Uh, they had everything in place to be able to have a fully functioning economy, to be able to feed their people, uh, and yet they rejected the whole thing. Why? Uh, because the idea that there could be Jewish people in a territory that was once controlled by Islam uh, under uh, the Ottoman Empire uh, was absolutely abhorrent to them. It was considered a affront, a, a blasphemy to their God, Allah. And so uh, the people that took over uh, were the individuals that we know today as Hamas. Uh, Ishmael Hanea is uh, the head honcho of Hamas. He does not live, by the way, in the Gaza Strip. Under these conditions, he is uh, very luxuriously ensconced in one of the United Arab Emirates uh, luxury cities. That's where he holds up. Uh, so the, the bottom line is this. As soon as Israel got out of there, off and on we have seen this territory of the Gaza Strip used as a staging ground for numerous missile attacks against Israel. Uh, these missiles get smuggled in. Uh, we've uh, given you reports before about so-called uh, concrete terror tunnels built, by the way, under the uh, direction and uh, architectural uh, uh, guidance of uh, North Korea, believe it mm -hmm. or not, uh, to be able to dig these tunnels underneath so that they could come out in Israeli territory <coughs> and be able uh, to, be, uh, to do terrorist runs on cities around the Gaza Strip, the largest one being the city of Sederot in uh, southern Israel. So that's kind of where things had been. And, you know, there had been these missile exchanges, but certainly nothing like we saw on Saturday. When uh, early Saturday morning, uh, the, uh, the uh, walls were breached, uh, a flood of uh, Gaza, or I should say uh, 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 the Hamas uh, terrorists flooded into Israel. Uh, they uh, flew over the walls and motorized hang gliders. And the first thing they did was get to a rave that was being held out there in the desert just outside of the Gaza Strip mm. and uh, immediately came in and massacred 200 people that were there for the rave. Mm. The, the, all they were doing was partying, in yeah. essence. But, uh, yeah. you know, it just shows you what was going on. The other thing that was interesting about this particular attack that was very different than the way these attacks have gone on before is it wasn't just hit and run. It wasn't just launching missiles. Uh, at uh, Israeli targets, the, uh, Ham the Hamas invaders specifically went to Israeli uh, towns like Sederot and others, uh, to the kibbutzes, kibbutzes that were around there, and uh, kidnapped Israeli citizens, yeah. uh, massacred Israeli citizens, desecrated the bodies of Israeli citizens. They were particularly interested in hauling women and children back into Gaza to be able to use as hostages. Mm. And so this uh, unprecedented form uh, of attack, uh, we talked a little bit, uh, quite a bit last week about how things were brewing uh, regarding uh, a real uh, normalization relations between Saudi Arabia and Israel. And uh, we did share that a Palestinian uh, jihad, Islamic jihad uh, leader, uh, decried the fact that uh, it seemed that the kingdom of Saad, uh, the house of Saad, 
was going to enter into this agreement with Israel without coming up with a two-state solution or any final deal for the Palestinians, that they were going to backtrack and deal with that later once relations had been normalized. Well, mm -hmm. they considered that uh, a complete betrayal of the Palestinian cause and that this must be opposed by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. Well, the mad mullahs in Iran were also not interested in seeing the Saudis and the Israelis get together and have, among other things, not just a mutual defense pact with each other, but perhaps even entering into a mutual defense pact, Saudi Arabia, Israel, and the United States mm -hmm. that would really tilt the equation, the balance of power in the Middle East. And so, you know, we were talking about this seismic change. Well, we thought that seismic change would be the fact that the third high-level cabinet member in the Israeli government had gone to Saudi Arabia and that this train was rolling down the tracks. The only thing that could derail it would be war. Mm. And so you see what some of the motivation was behind all of this, and we'll explore this. As we mentioned, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, spoke today about the uh, situation, and uh, it, it has been horrific. Nearly a thousand Israelis have died in these attacks. Uh, there are numbering in the high hundreds, uh, individuals who have been taken hostage and hauled back into Gaza, hidden terror tunnels and different uh, things uh, that uh, Hamas has along these lines. Uh, a number of Palestinians obviously have died in this uh, particular venture because, among other things, one of the things they do is they store weapons uh, in uh, highly densely populated areas. They store them in uh, preschools. They store them in mosques. Uh, fascinatingly, uh, the highest responded to tweet that I've ever posted on uh, X, the former Twitter site, yep. uh, had to do with a video that the, the Hamas people put out of uh, the Israelis, uh, you know, again, destroying this mosque with a rocket. And the, the spokesman saying how, you know, you know, again, Islam respects all religions and look at what the Jews do to us. Well, the, the post I basically uh, had along that line was, you know, the last thing that I think of when I think of uh, Palestinian fighters, read Hamas, is respect for other religions. They yeah. just don't do that very well. Right. Uh, you know, there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet, is their <laughs> Uh, they're basically a statement of faith. Uh, but the other interesting thing is, you know, and I said this, I said, you know, if you want to prevent this happening, here's a hint. Don't store massive weapons caches in your places of worship, yeah. period. Problem solved. Mm -hmm. Unless, of course, you feel like uh, the Israelis won't go after your houses of worship or you can score cheap propaganda points by having them destroy a mosque. If that's worth it to you for propaganda purposes, I guess you do you. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, it still is uh, trending on our, our site today. People wow. really resonated with that. Hmm. So the, the, the bottom line is this conflict is still going on. There are still Hamas operatives that are operating inside of Israel. Israel has uh, mustered up uh, uh, 300,000 uh, members of their armed forces and is massing them around Gaza uh, for some interesting reasons. Uh, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu earlier today gave this update. Uh, this is uh, the uh, article from the redstate.com uh, website uh, that uh, details his remarks. He said this, the, this war was forced upon us by a dreaded enemy, animals that kill men, women, children, and the elderly. And they have, they've bragged about it. 
uh, children handcuffed that were executed with the rest of their families. Young people were shot in the back, executed, and other horrors that I will not describe there. Mm-hmm. Netanyahu warned that several Hamas combatants are still within Israel, but that uh, Israeli forces are working around the clock to root them out and eliminate the threat. He also said that Hamas, catch this, is ISIS. Remember mm. uh, the friendly folks at ISIS who mm. believed that they were going to form an Islamic state and that uh, there was a prophecy that they would have this battle at this particular place in Syria and uh, that would cause uh, the Imam Mahdi to come back mm. and lead the forces of Islam to victory. Well, they went there and basically got wiped out. Mm. But uh, the, the, the uh, poison root of ISIS uh, is still doing land office business. And uh, that is basically the way that Hamas operates. He also made a chilling promise, we were told. This, these are Netanyahu's words. We have always known what Hamas was all about. Now the entire world knows. Hamas is ISIS, and we will beat them just like the Western world has beaten ISIS. This terrible enemy wanted a war, and it will receive a war. I promise you, dear citizens, at the end of the war, all of our enemies will know it was a terrible mistake to attack Israel. Mm. What we do to our enemy in the next few days will echo for generations. So, big thing, and we're going to see some of the big things potentially on the docket here in just a moment. It says, since Israel has formally declared war on Hamas, which is the governing body in Gaza and operates according to a charter, Israel can attack Hamas outposts in other countries. Now, that also broadens the conflict. Netanyahu's words should be taken as a public warning to countries harboring Hamas, among whom are Venezuela, by the way. Mm. Hamas does great business with the cartels, uh, even operating in Mexico. Uh, Hamas, uh, and again, he said, according to U.S. intelligence community sources, speaking to Red State on the condition of anonymity, uh, private diplomatic conversations regarding the same have already taken place. Mm. In other words, Israel is going to go wherever Hamas is operating definitely in venezuela a lot of speculation that they have uh hamas training camps in mexico uh israel is not going to be restricted in terms of where they might go now we don't know that for sure about mexico we definitely know it for sure about venezuela Mm -hmm. that's been confirmed uh reports that egyptian officials warned netanyahu about pending attacks this was another thing today you know you can see kind of how the uh the war diplomacy is war by other means uh, how a, an Egyptian official said, oh, we tried to warn them about this 10 days ago. And one of the big questions was, okay, Israel has the Mossad, uh, one of uh, the most efficient uh, intelligence agencies in the world. How could they not know that this was going to happen? This, re- this required the movement of thousands of people and all of yep. the materiel and all of the missiles and so forth. Mm-hmm. How could they know that it was going to happen? However, reports that an, an Egyptian official warned Netanyahu about the attack, which would be enough to take down his government if it was proved true. Mm. If he'd heard about this, blew it off, you know, just said, yeah. no. But, but again, Netanyahu said in his remarks, echoing a statement his office released earlier Monday, uh, the report to the effect that Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu received a message in advance from Egypt is absolutely false. No message in advance has arrived for, had arrived from Egypt, and the prime minister has neither spoken nor met with the head of Egyptian intelligence mm. since the formation of the government, neither directly or indirectly. This is totally fake news. But you can see how it would be in the best interest of those attacking Israel to destabilize the government, yeah. you know, to remove the prime minister. Oh, yeah. 
Since Netanyahu's remarks were given in Hebrew, multiple translations have appeared. Here is the English translation. Israel is at war. We did not want this war. It was forced upon us in the most brutal and savage way. But though Israel didn't start this war, Israel will finish it. Once the Jewish people were stateless, once the Jewish people were defenseless, no longer. Hamas will understand that by attacking us, they've made the mistake, a mistake of historic proportions. We will exact a price that will be remembered by them and Israel's other enemies for decades to come. The savage attacks that Hamas perpetrated against innocent Israelis are mind-boggling, slaughtering families in their homes, massacring hundreds of young people at an outdoor festival, kidnapping scores of women, children, and elderly. Even Holocaust survivors have been kidnapped. Mm. Could you believe that? Imagine surviving all of that and then having this happen. Hamas terrorists bound, burned, and executed children. They are savages. Mm. Hamas is ISIS, and just as the forces of civilization united to defeat ISIS, the forces of civilization must support Israel in defeating Hamas. I want to thank President Biden for his unequivocal support. I want to thank leaders across the world who are standing with Israel today, and we'll get to that in just a moment. I want to thank the people in the Congress of the United States of America. In fighting Hamas, Israel is not only fighting for its own people, it is fighting for every country that stands against barbarism. Israel will win this war, and when Israel wins, the entire civilized world wins. So very, very powerful statement being made there about what's going on in this set of circumstances. Okay, a a movement here that will be felt for generations, Mm -hmm. a mistake of cataclysmic uh, consequences for Hamas. Well, one thing you've got to understand about Hamas is that Hamas is a wholly owned and managed and directed subsidiary of the Mad Mullahs in Tehran. They hold the chain. They hold the leash. They are the ones who fund them. They are the ones who provide them with missiles. They are the ones who provide them with intelligence. They are the ones that use them as a proxy for their own direct invasion and their desires to uh, destroy uh, Israel themselves. And and so uh, what we're seeing, in a sense, uh, is almost like a chess game. We're seeing uh, Hamas, I believe, as one of the pawns, uh, a chess piece willing to be sacrificed mm. by the Iranians for a greater purpose. Yeah. What is their greater purpose? Well, uh, some other fascinating uh, developments have taken place uh, on uh, the uh, the Ynet news site. Uh, and I, I want to bring up this uh, translation of the Ynet uh, news site uh, in English for you. A- an update uh, came in that said that if Israel is uh, uh, attacked uh, again uh, from another front, uh, that uh, there is going to be a major, major response to all of this. In fact, uh, Israel warned Hezbollah against opening another front. Uh, The idea that Hezbollah would strategically take advantage of this. And and generally speaking, what we've seen in some of the missile wars, particularly from Gaza, Mm -hmm. is that Israel would respond to this by sending the vast majority of their forces down south to Gaza. Gaza is at the the far south of Israel, right next to the Egyptian border. Uh, Well, if you commit all of your troops to uh, a, a military operation in the south, 
What do you do about the fact that Hezbollah, uh, whose uh, materiel and manpower makes Hamas pale in comparison, just yeah. seem like pikers in comparison? You know, for instance, uh, Hamas will launch missiles, but they're not very sophisticated missiles. They're sort of missiles that are launched to whom it may concern. You've seen pictures of the Iron Dome defense system taking them out. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Hezbollah has missiles that they've received from Iran that are very sophisticated with guided missile technology. Mm. When they launch these missiles, they do not miss. Yep. Uh, they also have a very sophisticated uh, uh, drone uh, force that they can use in these sets of circumstances. And uh, boy, you know, when, when you see uh, these things taking place, uh, you discover something. If the strategy is to bring all of Israel's forces down to the south, mm -hmm. that literally opens up a wide open opportunity for Hezbollah to attack from right. the north. Right. And, uh, you know, when uh, that happens, that would put the very existence of Israel uh, on the line. If you mm -hmm. had Hamas down here, the army engaged, Hezbollah coming from the north, uh, other forces being able to come in from Syria and yeah. so on. Uh, it's almost like the 73 war where Israel was attacked on three fronts at once. Mm. So uh, Israel uh, essentially said this in response. This is a red line for us. And if Hezbollah attacks us from the north during this operation, a couple things are going to happen. Uh, a uh, United States Navy carrier group uh, headed by the aircraft carrier, carrier the U.S. Uh, S. Gerald Ford, is now uh, in that region. It's going to be joined by another group of destroyers, uh, a full military task group. And, uh, and so uh, one of the things that may happen, two things that will happen, and, and I want to read this uh, really wonderful analysis that uh, a friend of mine on the Internet put together about what the end game of this might be. Hmm. But one of the things that Israel said as a result of this, is that if Hezbollah crosses the border, starts uh, shooting sophisticated rocketry into Israeli targets in the north, Damascus is going to be destroyed, hmm. period. They sent this message through French emissaries to the mad mullahs in Tehran to pass along to uh, Assad, uh, the guy who is running Syria in Damascus. Now, yeah. why is that so significant? from a prophetic point of view. Mm. Well, <laughs> Isaiah chapter 17, we've talked about this before, talks about a really interesting prophecy that has never been fulfilled yet. Mm. Uh, it says this, the burden against Damascus, is Isaiah 17, behold, Damascus will cease from being a city and it will become a ruinous heap. The cities of Aurora are forsaken, they will be for flocks which lie down and no one will make them afraid. The fortress will also cease from Ephraim, the kingdom from Damascus, and the remnant from Syria, they will be for the glory of my children Israel. In that day it shall come to pass that the glory of Jacob will wane and the fatness of his flesh grow lean. It shall be as when the harvesters gather the grain and reap the heads with his arm. It shall be as he who gathers heads of grain in the valley of Rephaim. Yet gleaning grapes will be left in it like the shaking of an olive tree, two or three olives at the top of the uttermost bough, four or five in its most fruitful branches." Now, what this prophecy says is that, first of all, Damascus is going to be utterly destroyed mm. as a city. Damascus, if you 
are so inclined and want to visit there as a tourist. Uh, when we've gone to Israel, we've gone into the Golan area, mm -hmm. up in the heights above there. You can see the suburbs of Damascus off in the distance. Uh, Damascus will brag about being the single longest continually inhabited city in the history of the world. Mm. Wow. It has never been destroyed. With all of the armies that have marched through the Middle East, yep. the Babylonians and the Medo-Persians and the Greeks and, and so on, uh, the Assyrians, none ever destroyed Damascus. It changed hands, but the city never fell. Mm. This says it will become a ruinous heap. Wow that no one will live in again. This has never happened before, which means it is yet to happen, happen in the future. Now, the interesting thing about this prophecy is it says that when this happens, it will happen, but the glory of Jacob will wane and the fatness of his flesh grow lean. Mm -hmm. uh, it talks about famine-like conditions that would prevail as a result of this particular operation. Mm -hmm. So Israel, or God will see that Damascus is destroyed, but it will come at a price for Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to devastate Israel in a very significant way as far as agriculture goes and so on. Some have even uh, wondered if there's a hint there about the use of chemical or biological weapons right. in response to something like this. Yeah. But uh, the scripture prophesies that Damascus is going to be destroyed. Some people say, well, don't you think that's going to happen in uh, the Great Tribulation, that final seven years before Jesus returns? There's nothing in this prophecy that indicates mm -hmm. that it has to happen in the Tribulation. It could happen at any time. Wow. And it's just so fascinating that uh, on the Ynet News site, they ran this article saying that uh, Israel has communicated through French interme intermediaries yep. that if Hezbollah gets involved, invades Israel from the north, from Lebanon, Damascus is going to be destroyed. Yeah, that's incredible. So, <laughs> yeah, when I saw that, I was like, wow. Wow, <laughs> yeah. wow, wow. I think wow. I read about this somewhere, wow. yeah. yeah. So, you know, we see uh, these, uh, these things happening. Uh, you know, the other interesting thing that, uh, that happened was uh, Saudi Arabia pulled the plug on negotiations with Israel. Mm -hmm. They said that all uh, normalization negotiations are over as a result of all of this. Mm -hmm. So if Iran's desire was to shut down this uh, coalition of Israel, the United States, yeah. and Saudi Arabia. They've effectively done this by this particular war. Right. Now, uh, personally, and I put this up on our Twitter feed, I think what we're seeing is Saudi Arabia going into a duck and cover mode. What they're saying is, uh, we don't want to give anybody, least of all Iran and their proxies, any reason to drag us into this. We're going to stay out of this whole thing. Mm. And it's fascinating how uh, in Ezekiel 38, when it talks about the Gog and Magog invasion, yep. when a Russian-led coalition, including Iran, invades Israel in uh, the last days, and I believe that is in the tribulation period, uh, that uh, Saudi Arabia, Sheba and Dedan, two cities that are dominant in the history of Saudi Arabia, stand from a distance saying, why have you come? Have you come to take spoil and plunder? You know, they, they kind of protest, but they're like, oh, well, don't get us involved with any of this. Yeah. We, so we see that same kind of thing. Uh, Saudi Arabia, I think, is playing duck and cover right now. But I think when the dust settles from this, 
they will probably re-enter into negotiations with Israel on normalization really? of relationship. Yeah. So uh, fascinating details, things that we couldn't even anticipate last week. Yeah. So where is all this going? Mm. What's the end game that, that is going to be here? Well, uh, a fellow uh, that I've really enjoyed uh, on my Twitter feed, Andrew Freeman, uh, put together an analysis on this. And I think this really answers a lot of questions and gives us a scripturally based perspective on what we might see happening mm. in the weeks to come as this uh, battle is just getting warmed up. Yes. Uh, he says this, the main question, what's the reason for this all out and quickly escalating jihad against Israel? Why now? Mm. The answer with the soon coming Saudi Israel deal, which excludes a Palestinian state, the geopolitical leveraging of the Palestinian caused by the jihadists who never cared about the Palestinians anyway has come to an end. Jihad is now the only option. One of the things you're going to hear a lot about in all of this is, oh, the Israelis, you know, they've, they've fenced these people in, they've locked them in, they've oppressed them. Do you know why the people in Gaza can't leave Gaza? Because no Arab country will give them visas or passports to be able to leave. Least of all, Egypt. Yeah. They don't want the Palestinians there. They want them locked up. Yeah. And if they can blame Israel for that, they will do that. Yeah. But if they really cared about the Palestinians, they would probably help them out of this quote-unquote cage that they're in. By the way, that cage, uh, Gaza, oh, it's terrible. You know, they, they can't deliver water. Or they depend upon the Israelis. Uh, Israel provides them with electricity, by the way. Mm. Uh, among the things you can see if you go to Gaza for a vacation. I don't recommend it, <laughs> no. uh, but they have a luxurious beachfront area with resorts that Arab people from all over the Arab world go to visit. Uh, they have shopping malls and everything else like this. So, you know, when you see these pictures, you see these skyscrapers and things like this. Yep. This isn't a hovel, you know, this isn't like it's a refugee camp. Yep. Well, if it's a refugee camp, it has a, uh, you know, five-star hotel mm. attached to it. So uh, when, when the Palestinians, the jihadists, the individuals whose main goal is the extermination of Israel, mm. uh, see this sort of thing happening, they know now that the idea of the Palestinian cause is, is over. As far as the Saudis are concerned, they weren't going to go to the mat mm. for the Palestinians, although they backtracked and said, oh yeah, we're definitely pro-Palestinian now, saying all the right things to stay out of the war. Yep. But uh, when they realize that they can't excuse this they can't say well we're fighting for the palestinians the, the whole time jihad against jews which is commanded in their quran and in their hadiths uh that has always been the motivation but now it's pretty much out in the open yep. uh, again andrew goes on and says make no mistake what we're witnessing is a well thought out assault being orchestrated by iran hamas and uh, palestinian islamic jihad are simply the first pawns on the board to be advanced Further, there's zero chance Iran would not have expected the type of retaliation from Israel that we're about to see in Gaza. They wouldn't risk losing their two most valuable assets, Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad, unless they had their end game in mind. Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad, for their part, are more than willing to be sacrificed for the cause. Next comes Hezbollah. This shouldn't be surprising as they've already made an Israeli ground assault on Gaza, their red line for entering the war. Mm. Hezbollah says if Israel goes into Gaza, we're going to invade Israel. The strategy seems obvious. 
draw Israel's attention to the south to divert forces away from the north. Hezbollah is the most heavily armed of all Iranian proxies, replete with a stockpile of smart missiles as opposed to the rockets fired by Hamas, as we mentioned earlier. This would be the most devastating attack on Israel in modern history. I would assume the strategy would be to deplete Israel's Iron Dome Dome defense system with intense rocket fire before launching a missile assault. At some point, Iran will likely greenlight a ground invasion from the West Bank in an attempt to further scatter Israel's forces and overrun Jerusalem. Over the last several decades, Iran has strategically surrounded Israel with proxy jihadist groups for this very moment. The further this escalates, the harder it is to believe this isn't their endgame. While Iran's proxies are more than willing to be martyred for the cause of jihad, Iran simply would not risk losing what it's taken them decades to build mm. unless they had this end game in mind. Mm. Which brings me to my next and perhaps heaviest point. You think we've been heavy so far? Listen yeah. to this. Mm. Last week it was reported that Iran had enough fissile material to manufacture five nuclear weapons in two weeks' time if they chose to do so. Of course, we all know Iran has been at the nuclear threshold for quite some time. But moving to the final phase of manufacturing a bomb or bombs is not something they, uh, they would risk as it would trigger an Israeli assault on Iran's nuclear facilities, essentially ending Iran's dreams of annihilating the Jewish state. But at this point, it appears Iran is pushing all of its chips into the middle of the table. Yesterday, it was reported that the United States was moving the USS Gerald R. Ford aircraft carrier to the eastern Mediterranean in a show of support for Israel. However, I find this unlikely to be just a show of support. Over the last two years, Israel and the U.S. have been drilling for an attack on Iran's nuclear facilities. Israel has also openly advertised their drills for ground and air assaults deep into Lebanese territory. I believe what we're about to witness is Israel's attempt to end the Iranian regime and all of their proxies, essentially eliminating terror from the Middle East as we know it. It's become evident in the lead-up to the Saudi-Israeli deal that Israel and their Gulf allies intend to transform the Middle East into a new economic hub, or as Netanyahu himself called it, a utopia. But the elephant in the room, the only thing standing in the way of achieving this, is Iran. Now it would seem time has, the time has come for Israel to wage an all-out assault against terror in the Middle East, going straight for the head of the snake, eliminating all Iranian proxies in the process. As I type this, Israel is advising all of its citizens to prepare for a three-day stay in bomb shelters across Israel. Please continue to pray for Israel as we watch events unfold. Maranatha. Wow. Pretty amazing stuff. Speechless, uh, yeah. I, I think that's a very good analysis of yeah. what we are going to see because all of this stuff about Gaza, all of this stuff about the West Bank, yeah. all of this stuff uh, about uh, Hezbollah, all the stuff about Syria, uh, I think is pretty much uh, window dressing. Yeah. It's pretty much smoke and mirrors. But the main thing that is going to come down is Israel and Iran are going to slug it out. Yeah. And the most heartening thing for me as an American, understanding what Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3 says, that God promised Abraham, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, that we already have the Gerald R. Ford aircraft carrier in place, which is an absolute essential if there's going to be a massive strike on Iranian nuclear facilities. The second thing is an entire battle group is cruising through the Mediterranean 
to join them. Once that's in place, Israel has gone through drill after drill working with the United States as far as how they're going to use bunker-busting bombs and uh, other munitions along this line to be able to destroy Iran's nuclear facilities, Mm. essentially defanging, if you will, Iran. Now, there's a number of other issues that have come up. Uh, People will say, well, wasn't it the fact that we freed $6 billion uh, to free five hostages from Iran that triggered all this? Our government, in a very tone-deaf way, did that on September 11th. Mm -hmm. Uh, Essentially, what we're seeing from the State Department and from other sources is that that $6 billion has not yet been fully released. It's still going through channels. Mm. Uh, Iran doesn't have, they might have the check. The check hasn't cleared, mm. if okay. you will, to yeah. put it that way. Uh, the, the fascinating thing, though, is, is this. Uh, the, people say, well, you know, that, that wasn't what stirred them up to, to do this, you know, having this money. But you need to understand something. If Iran knows that $6 billion is coming down the pipeline, yeah. then they can very easily divert other money from other things that they're spending it on yeah. to be able to use it in this particular operation, knowing right. that they're gonna have the cash coming in right. later. Uh, if uh, we're serious about supporting Israel, what we need to do is we need to stop this deal right in its tracks yep. and essentially say, you know, because your proxies are now in this aggressive war against Israel, no money for you. Right. And that would put uh, the Mad Mullahs in a very uh, dicey position. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that what we're seeing is we've seen a lot of shadow boxing. We've seen a lot of uh, tit for tats. We've seen uh, Israel, for instance, use the Stuxnet virus to uh, destroy uh, Iran's uh, 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 nuclear uh, purification uh, uh, uh Uh, devices Mm. and so on we've seen war by other means i I think what we're going to see is the real slug out happening here yeah and uh the other thing that we need to to be aware of and i don't mean to sound uh chicken littleish here but uh, we need to be aware of the fact that if we join with israel in destroying iran's nuclear facilities Mm -hmm there's going to be a price to be paid. As we all know, our southern border has basically been wide open for the last few years. I mean, literally millions of people have crossed the border into the United States. But these aren't all people from Venezuela. These aren't all people from Central America. Uh, I read an article that said 154 individuals have been apprehended who were considered most wanted on the terrorist watch list. 154. And those are the ones we caught. Right. How many of them do you think we haven't caught? How many sleeper cells and so on do you feel, do you you believe might be here in the United States? And so if the United States does the right thing, joins with Israel, uh, goes for the head of the snake, if you will, of the Iran largest state sponsor of terrorism in the world, Mm. uh, chances are there's going to be a price to be paid. There are going to be terrorist attacks that will take place in the United States as a result of this. Mm -hmm. And we need to get used to that fact. Mm -hmm. We are, in essence, like Benjamin Netanyahu said, whether we like it or not, at war. war, And, uh, you know, one of the things we point out to you all on a regular basis is every Friday in Iran, in front of the uh, palaces of the Mad Mullahs, there is a rally that takes place where for an entire hour, the gathered crowd chants two things. 
death to the great Satan and death to the little Satan. The little Satan is Israel. They want to see Israel taken out because according to their Quran, uh, especially seeing Jews controlling part of what they would consider uh, Dar es, es, es Salaam, the, the, the Ummah, if you will, the, yeah. the, the territories of Islam. It's, it's an assault, it's a blasphemy to their God. But the big Satan is the United States. And they've had it in for us ever since the 50s when in concert with British oil companies and those exploring uh, Iran for its oil resources, uh, Iran elected a president that was kind of anti-West, more Islamic in his orientation. Uh, we took him out and we put in the Shah of Iran. Uh, the Shah was not a nice guy by any stretch of the imagination, ruled with an iron fist, and people never forgot it. Mm. So when they talk about us being the great Satan, yep. that goes back to all of that. You put this guy in power, and we are going to have our revenge. Yep. So uh, the, the, the bottom line is this. Uh, you know, war is messy. Uh, war is is horrible and it's going to get worse. Uh, one of the things that, uh, just to let you know who you're dealing with here with Hamas, uh, they have said that they are going to begin to broadcast live the execution of men, women, and children on the internet uh, to show they mean business. Mm. If uh, Israel makes any kind of move against them, they will start doing this. They'll start slaughtering the hostages. By the way, over uh, 11 Americans have died so far that we know of. Mm. You know, so it's not like U.S. citizens haven't been involved with right. all of this. We have no idea how many Americans may have been kidnapped or being held yep. in Gaza right now as right. a result of all of this. But uh, we can't just stand back and say, well, that's kind of your problem. Yep. Uh, you know, we're going to wash our hands of it. Uh, it does seem, especially with the move of this carrier group, Yep. into the eastern mediterranean mm -hmm. that we are endeavoring to do the right thing and whether that's pressuring iran uh saying to iran uh you better uh you know uh leash your your uh your bulldog here yep. and make everybody play nice uh which i think would probably be our first recourse mm -hmm. as as a country i i would yep. think that if there was no other alternative then and only then would we take out Iran's nuclear uh, resources because our current administration is very pro-Iranian. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the hostage negotiation that we see yep. there, uh, you know, again, Valerie Jarrett and Barack Obama, very, very pro-Iranian. We saw that in the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action that uh, essentially gave Iran the go-ahead to build a nuclear bomb, but only delayed it by 10 years, mm -hmm. even if they cooperated with everything right. and they didn't violated this yeah. what should we do as a nation well my two cents worth would be uh we need to slap back into place all of the economic sanctions that we had against iran mm. to begin with they have to realize that they have a price to be paid in all of this we yeah. need to support um through our intelligence agencies through our resources uh the opposition to the mad mullahs in Iran that has risen up from time to time and been brutally put down. Yep. Uh, we need to be in that kind of a mode. Uh, we need to, most of all, support Israel uh, with, without any doubt, without any kind of hesitation. Uh, we need to let them know 
that uh, these statements that are being made about Damascus and so on, uh, these are not to be trifled with. And that uh, the status quo that has gone on, that has cost uh, hundreds if not thousands of Israeli life through terror, lives through terrorist attacks, and have kept uh, the people that live in Lebanon mm-hmm. and Syria and uh, in Gaza uh, just in, in horrific conditions. Do you realize that at one point Lebanon was considered the French Riviera of the Eastern Mediterranean? Mm. It was considered one of the most wonderful places you could ever go. Yeah. When the French ran it, yeah. the French got out. Uh, they had a government that was designed to have a Christian faction and both the Muslim factions and a secular aspect. Well, uh, basically it's run by Hezbollah yeah. right now. Wow. Uh, so uh, that, that cannot continue. Uh, what do we need to do? We need to be praying for the peace yes. of Jerusalem. Uh, we need to be standing unequivocally with Israel during this time. Yep. I would just really encourage you all out there uh, to pray. And if you're in a physical condition where you can, you might even want to fast and pray mm. for the deliverance of the people of Israel during mm. this time. So an awful lot to, to go through here. Uh, if you have questions about this, we'll be devoting Uh, time on the program tomorrow to be able to answer those questions. You can also contact us through our various uh, means and platforms on the internet. Yep, and questionsforhope at gmail.com. Well, thank you for that update. Wow, amazing, heavy stuff. Again, be praying. We didn't get to any of your questions, but I think it was certainly worth the time to go over those things. And again, we'll be with you same time, same place tomorrow for more of the same and some of your questions. God bless you guys. Jesus is coming soon. Yes, amen. Amen Amen to that. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.